But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John 20, 31. Welcome to Canaanbaum Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaanbaum Podcast is a compilation of devotional resources shared by pastors serving the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, the Wells, along with church history, mission news, and other updates, and music by Christian artists who support our teaching. I'm Tom Barthel, serving as pastor at Trinity Lutheran, a Wells congregation in Nina, Wisconsin. Glad to be serving as your host for this episode. This is episode number 113. Our final Bible truth shared by the elders at St. Mark's Lutheran in Bemidji, Minnesota. Bible truths. Question 16. What will it be like when a person dies? For believers, those who believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again to save them from hell, their souls will leave their bodies, rejoice in heaven with Jesus, and will be reunited with their resurrected and perfect bodies on the last day. There will be no more pain, sin, or sadness. Joy will fill their hearts forever. Everything will be awesome. Jesus will be there to welcome them home. All problems are gone. No more debts to pay. No more death. No more taxes. No more stress. No more sin. They will be awestruck with joy. Those who trusted in God and all his promises will now enjoy the fruits of heaven forever. For unbelievers, it will be quite different. Think about the times where one has looked back and wish you had done something differently. For instance, had one invested in gold 30 years ago, one would likely be much wealthier, or had taken a different job, one might have become more successful. For each of those instances, a person might say, if only I'd done that back when I had the chance. When unbelievers die, their souls will also be taken from their bodies, but will go to hell. There they will experience continuous torment and agony forever. They will be separated from God's blessings forever. They will think, if only I had believed in Jesus when I was on earth. If only I had grown in God's word instead of following the world's desires. If only I had listened to God's word instead of my selfish wants. If only, but it's too late. This time, there are no second chances. This is the unbeliever's fate forever. What joy for believers to know for certain that when they die, they go to heaven to live forever with Jesus. They know that Jesus died for their sins and rose again, so that his victory over death has opened the door to heaven for them when they die. God's Word on Death from the NIV John chapter 20 verse 31 But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19 So we see that they are not able to enter because of their unbelief. Luke chapter 16, verses 20 through 31. At his gate he was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus at his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, 
Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7 and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to the God who gave it. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verses 5 and 6 For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. Next, we have a song by a group called The Divers. We are not what we own.
God's Word for You is shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You. Job 38. We'll just read verses 1 to 3. The Lord speaks. Let's begin with the first verse. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, (laughs) before he speaks, the storm has been coming all along, remember. I, I hope that we have seen that clearly throughout the book. The, the, the point of noticing this is that we shouldn't think that God was somehow out of the picture. He makes himself known to us in many ways, including the answers to our prayers. But he communicates to us in his holy word. And at this point in Job, Job speaks, or rather the Lord speaks, and he speaks in person. Verses 2 and 3. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. George Bernard Shaw thought that God's response to Job was nothing but a sneer. Other readers are left without much contentment from the book, although we shouldn't overlook the fact that Job himself was satisfied in the end, even though he never discovered the facts behind his suffering. The original challenge of Satan and God's response is never brought to the surface. I can't help but think that we are fortunate to go through our lives, never knowing about the, I'll call them Job tests, that are given to us in our lives. In heaven, we will have peace instead of an instant replay, and that's a blessing too. I've been waiting to share these words from Professor August Pieper about Job, and I think it would be better for us 
to hear them now than to save them any longer. Professor Pieper, um, who lived from 1857 to 1946, was a pastor in the Wisconsin Synod, and he taught at our Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary at both the Wauwatosa campus and also at its current location in Mequon, Wisconsin. Professor Pieper said, The lesson of this book, as exemplified through Job, is not intended to teach us the philosophical, reasonable, primal explanation of God's decree of suffering. Rather, it is intended to teach the solution for every particular case of suffering and temptation. Job's suffering comes in consequence of a particular decree of God. The same is true of the suffering of every child of God. We complain so easily and quarrel with God as if he were unjust and cruel, but we have no right to do so. He is the omniscient and omnipotent one. We know nothing and can do nothing. He is the Lord. He does what pleases him and remains just. But we have no cause for complaint. Our suffering is not an angry punishment of God upon our sins. Therefore, Paul said in Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In the midst of the deepest suffering, we are still God's children. In spite of the suffering, our suffering is the loving correction of God. God wishes to cleanse us, purify us, perfect us. He does not let us founder. He teaches us patience. He preserves and increases our strength. And with the temptation also makes a way to escape that we may be able to bear it. He comes in due season with his help. He humbles and comforts us. He blesses us and crowns us at last with great glory. That was August Pieper from a, uh, uh, his paper called The Book of Job and its Significance for the Preaching and the Care of the Soul. I should also mention that George Bernard Shaw's comment comes from the mouth of the main character of the book he wrote in 1932 called The Adventures of a Black Girl in Her Search for God. And, uh, and, and it's on page 12 that Shaw, in his preface, calls God's response to Job a jeer. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. Up next, To Tell the Story, shared by Pastor Luke Italiano. The silences between his parents shouted insults, told Benjamin everything he needed to know. This was his fault, but they didn't want to admit it. Ever since Benjamin had been born, his parents' perfect marriage had fallen apart because Benjamin was blind. And everyone knew that a child wasn't born blind unless the parents had done something terribly wrong. But his father was a paragon of virtue, his mother perfection itself. And so it must have been Benjamin's fault. Every day, Benjamin would wake with that heavy burden of guilt already on him, he would stumble out to his place on the dusty road to beg, and under the hot sun with sweat in his non-seeing eyes, he would beg, he would call out to all passers-by. In Jerusalem, some would stop, and some would ask him, Who sinned? Whose fault is it? And Benjamin would never tell them in fear that they wouldn't give the money that he needed, and then, at night, he would stumble home again and give his father those few coins, and his father would look and grunt and say, hm, Good enough. And his mother would say, Don't be so harsh. And then they would fight again over the money 
over anything except Benjamin, because it was his fault, and they didn't want to admit it. One particularly hot day, as the sweat dribbled down his face and Benjamin called out for help, a group of people came. By the sound of it, a, a teacher and some students, and the students asked that ever-popular question, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Ah, by the accent, they were northerners. They were always good for a couple of coins. They were out-of-towners. They didn't know any better. And Benjamin waited to see what the teacher would say, because based on what the teacher would say, the students would surely give something. So whose fault was it? His fault? His parents' fault? And Benjamin braced himself for the answer. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. What? What? Someone sinned. It's someone's fault that I'm blind. Benjamin held himself back. He reined back his desire to respond to that. But he couldn't believe it. He had never heard anything like this before. The teacher went on. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then Benjamin heard a noise. It sounded like someone was spitting. And then something cold was smeared on his eyes. And the teacher said, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Well, Benjamin knew the way. He got up and he stumbled down the road. And he reached the cool water and wiped his face clean. And as the water dribbled from his eyes, what was that? He looked up and he saw sky so far above him, so blue, so big, and trees and people. They all had different faces. He knew they all had different voices, but who knew that people had different faces? Look at them all. How do they keep them all straight? How can you ever find one another again? Benjamin closed his eyes to, to limit it, but he had to open them again. The glorious sight, the wonder. How did anyone not just sit and stare in awe all day? Benjamin had to close his eyes to get home. He couldn't find it by sight. And, and all the, the, all the things he saw were so distracting. And he got home and he looked at his parents and he said, Dad? Mom, I can see. And his mom fell on her knees, shaking her head. She couldn't believe it. And his father looked at him and said, No, it's some trick. Who did this? And Benjamin answered, Someone named Jesus. Now, brothers and sisters, we bear so much guilt in this world. And sometimes we think that something has happened and it is our fault. Remember what Jesus said about the man born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so the work of God might be displayed in his life. Amen.
the story. It is true, but it's not done yet. We'll listen to more of Benjamin's story next time. We'll close with a song by Chris Dreisbach. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Father. Thank you for this day. And thanks for loving me. And for the early morning sunlight on my face Good morning, Father I'm on my way again As I walk through this world May I walk the narrow path until it ends In heaven for me Show me how to do the things you put in front of me May I be kind and loving In all I do and say Save me from my sins Restore the joy within let me be like him for today. I'm clinging to the cross again Save me from my sins Renew the spirit within Oh, let me be like Him For today You have been listening to Cannonbaum Podcast. This podcast episode, number 113, was first shared in June of 2016. For more information, visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com and learn how you can connect with the Wells Ministry nearest you, as well as discover the artists who support our message. Once again, my name is Tom Barthel. Glad you could join us. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net for today. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>